0: what would it be?
1: At the end of the day, I think you just have to say to yourself that it's valid for you to have your own career, your own life. You need that dopamine of achievement and that serotonin of working to be a good parent.
0: Kate Toon is a down-to-earth human on a mission to demystify the realities of running a successful online business. She's an award-winning digital marketing entrepreneur, a Google beast tamer, as it were, and one straight-talking copywriting coach. Kate is a popular educator, very engaging speaker, which is how we met, and she's the author of several books and multiple podcasts. Kate is funny and brings an energy to everything she does, as you'll hear in the coming podcast. She's a proud business misfit, a mad good hula hooper, and a slightly wonky roller skater but don't let those quirky traits fool you. Kate is one savvy businesswoman. To quote Kate, my misfit approach to business has served me well, and I love helping other humans create success on their own terms. She's my kind of girl. Kate Toon, I cannot wait to see where this conversation takes us. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Now, if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be?
1: parent guilt. I was going to say mom guilt, but I think maybe some dads feel it too.
0: What a fascinating topic. I've never had anything like this before. Parent guilt. So why is this a topic that you wish we should talk more about? Why is it something that you want to bring to the fore?
1: Because I feel it holds people back, especially women. I feel like mum guilt holds women back from having the kind of career they want to have, the kind of business they want to have, and it makes them feel torn into and compromised, and therefore they're not able to succeed in the way that maybe... Males are. I've said parent guilt, but I do think it's more mum guilt. I do think it's something more mums suffer from. Yeah, and I think it holds us back. And that's a shame. I think we need to fight the patriarchy and embrace our mumdom and our career and realise that we can have both, but there are compromises to be made.
0: That's the key point, isn't it? It's, you know, us sort of growing up and our mothers and our grandmothers saying, you can have it all. And then you kind of realize for like, well, you can, but you're exhausted all the bloody time and you don't get much sleep. What are the sort of things that you think that people should focus on then say in terms of actually it's holding you back? And what are those kind of elements that, you know, maybe we could try and think about or adapt or change or...
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about you, but we all have this notion of what being a parent is, what being a mum is, what being a good mum is, and I'm doing air fingers for the listeners. And there's a few things that we should think about, like from a historical point of view, I'm a, I'm a student of history. There was a historian, his name is uh, uh, Philippe Erez. And in the 1960s, he kind of put forward this whole idea that the whole notion of childhood didn't exist until the sort of 17th century before then people were just small adults yeah there was no idea that you had a period where you were a child and you were parented and then you were launched into the world and I mean I think even as late as like the 1940s and 50s the attitude towards children and parenting was very different I'm a child of the 70s and 80s and I don't think I got parented the way I parent my son it was get home from school go out and play until dinner time and then watch and telly and go to bed. That was it, you know? So I think there's a lot of pressure that modern society puts on us to be a certain kind of parents. I don't know what you think about
0: mm. that, Michelle. Oh, I think it's a great point. And I remember fondly the same. We'd go for hours and uh, ride our bikes and... We'd ride to school and our parents would hardly see us. <laughs> but, you know, it grew that independence element, didn't it? Like, and that's, you know, sort of as fast as I could kind of travel overseas, I think, to escape and get away and explore the world. That It sort of really instilled that in me at a young age. I, I truly believe that. And I think that whole sense of helicopter parenting, which is referred to often, is real. Definitely. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think there's a whole school of psychology now that didn't exist when we were younger as well, that everything we're doing is going to have an impact on our child and we're conscious of that. And while I'm not suggesting we go back to, like, making kids go up chimneys at six years old or, you know, letting them fall out of trees every five minutes, I do think we need to take the foot off the pedal a little bit. And one of my sort of tips or things that have really worked for me is to reject the notion of quality time. We always talk about quality time and I'm doing air fingers again. We've got to spend quality time with our children. Like we've got to sit and look at them and do wooden jigsaws while feeding them homemade oatmeal cookies. You know, (laughs) that's good parenting. Oh, we've got to have outings. We've got to take them to the zoo and have experiential days where they embrace nature and learn. Oh, my goodness. You know, like. So I think rejecting quality time has been really important for me and realising that quality time is everything. You can have quality time taking your kid, dragging your kid around coals. You can have quality time driving them to swimming and back. You can have quality time cleaning the house, making dinner. It's the time that matters, not necessarily what you do in that time. Again,
0: I'm not sure what you think of that. I think it's a great point. It's about that being present as well, isn't it? You know, like it's fine to be sitting with the kid saying you could be doing quality time doing it. One of those jigsaw puzzles that, you know, are informational, but you're not actually with the kid and you're on your phone or you're distracted or you're not present. So it is that kind of being conscious, I think, of those elements that you're talking about, which is great. So what are the things that you've kind of brought into your life then with your son? And how have you kind of adapted that? Because you are one busy lady. You have you know, multiple things going on. So, you know, adapting that yourself. like
1: Yeah, even at the start of this podcast, I was so distracted because I had all the tabs open and I was like trying to listen. You know, it's like my brain has many tabs open. I think what's really helped me is having a really clear schedule of when I'm working and when I'm not. So, when I'm in, I'm all in. And when I'm not, I'm not. And being really, really having that light and shade in my day. And that enables to set expectations for everybody. So, if you say, you know, when my son was smaller and he was at home, I'd say, you know, mom is going to work for the next half an hour. And I'm, you know, don't like, leave me be. And then we can do something fun together, you know, and it's only half an hour. Anyone can manage that. You know, now as he's older, like sometimes if it's school holidays, I'll say, we'll do our own thing until midday. Then we'll have lunch together. Then this afternoon we'll go out and do something fun. And then that means I can get my work done, be present for my work and then be present for him. As you said, that's the key. thing. It's not being distracted. I saw a great mm-hmm. reel yesterday and it was a mum playing with her kid and she's like when you've been playing with your kid for an hour and you look at the clock and realize it's actually been three minutes we know that feeling don't
0: we versus actually when you're watching reels on insta and you think it's been three minutes and it's been an hour you
1: know i think it's that thing as well not forcing yourself to do activities and things that neither of you really want to do You know, like doing craft with a child looks great on Instagram, but can be hellish if you're not in the right mindset for both you and the child, because neither of you want to be there. So, yeah, I think a schedule has worked really well for me
0: because obviously I work from home. Well, that's another thing, I think, for your son as well, that complexity of, you know, mum's here all the time versus those that physically leave home. And a lot of people obviously have been home and working a lot more from home now. You've done that for many years. So what are the kind of things that you bring in there? Is it a separate space or do you have your door closed or does he have to knock or how does that kind of work?
1: Well, I think there's challenges both ways around. Like if you are travelling to work, obviously you've got extra time commuting and that's a challenge away. And there's that. So I do think there's challenges with both, but there are particular challenges working at home. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you can have a separate space with a closable door, that's amazing. But even if you can just get one of those like bendy screens, you know, those foldable screens, and when the screen is up, You are working and you're not to be disturbed. And really talking to your children about the connection between work and life. That's what I think is important. I'm not working because I don't want to spend time with you. I'm not working because I love it and I love it more than you. Me doing this for the next two hours is what enables us to live in this house, have food on the table. It pays for the television. It pays for this. And I mean, that might sound quite heavy, but I think even small children get that there is an exchange. And in really making it clear to them that you're not choosing work over them it is a necessity, just as making dinner's a necessity, brushing your teeth is a necessity. Telling kids that early, letting them see the connection between what you do and what that means for the family. I think that's really, really important.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, it sort of goes back to what you said about that philosopher around treating kids like, you know, small humans that, you know, helping them understand and educating them about what's kind of going on and not treating them that they're dumb or stupid or that they're not old enough to understand. So the other element, I guess, is around when you talked about parent guilt. How do you deal with that in terms of actually sharing the load or ensuring partners sort of are taking that on as well? And so that mothers are not wearing all the kind of guilt or feeling all the overwhelm?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm very lucky in that very on in my uh, business, I started to earn more than my partner and always have done, and now earn substantially more. And unfortunately, finances, economic power is is a thing, you know, it's hard for my partner to argue that I should spend more time parenting when I earn more money. And I realise lots of the dynamic is the opposite way around in most couples, the one who earns the money generally has more of a say, it's not great, but let's be honest, it's true. So I think there's a few things there is that, you know, having conversations with your partner, you know, if we're talking about a female male dynamic, Obviously, there's lots of different partnerships. You accept that your partner may not do things as you do them and that's okay they may not do them to your standards but that's okay I think giving clear instructions about what you expect and not expecting them to work it out like by magic and just assume that they will know what to do and giving them jobs you know I think women especially in most partnerships I see bear a lot of the mental load remembering Susie's birthday booking the dog into the vet you know ensuring that such and such has their vaccinations or whatever that often falls upon the woman in the relationship but it doesn't have to if you make a list and say here are three jobs I want you to do this week and explain how to do them then yes you're passing it over so I think it's a degree of not expecting your partner to be as you are and giving them tools to make it easier for them which might seem painful in the short term but in the long term will pay off it's like having a business and outsourcing stuff to a virtual assistant the first three months is a pet nightmare because you're explaining things again and again and again and you don't see the benefit it's like it's quicker to do it myself but it pays off after the three months so I think that's really really important and just lowering your expectations you know my partner makes my son like a dinner of pasta with potatoes and beans you know it's like carb 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 but he's not gonna die he's had dinner with and it's fine. It's not what I would do, but it's fine. So, letting go, I think, is really important as
0: well. I think that's a really good point. And, you know, there's some stuff that you're saying there that kind of brings up things for me as well, like just different opportunities. And I think also the other side is recognizing, like, I would begrudge my husband, similar to you, like, I've kind of been the main sort of breadwinner for many years, but I would also do all the accounting and all the finance and, you know, for our multiple companies. And not just because I can do it like, and so rather than getting a bookkeeper, but then also I would pay all their bills and do all that. And I kind of lost it a few years ago going, why do I do all this sort of stuff? And I got cranky with Dennis and I thought, actually, that's not his fault. It's my fault. Cause I just do it. And like, so then when I sat down with him and I said, this is now going to be your job. And you're going to and he's like, oh, no, but I don't know how I'm like, well, I'm going to show you. (laughs) And to your point, it had it took time. But now he does all that kind of administrative, you know, our life admin stuff because he's sort of semi retired and he has more time to, you know, like chase up about a gas bill or, you know, dumb shit that takes a long time, (laughs) you know, consumes your day and you're so frustrated. But I can then spend more time earning more money doing other stuff or whatever. So you have to take it on yourself as well. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a challenge if you're a generally capable person, you will do more and more. And we all play roles in our relationships and those those get more and more entrenched, you know. So if your partner plays that, oh, I don't know how to load the dishwasher, I'm such a dipsy fool, then you go, oh, I'll just do it. And that becomes entrenched that they can't do the dishwasher. And only you can do the dishwasher. And sometimes you've done that to yourself. You've, you've given yourself this kind of martyr attitude in the relationship that I do all the things. And it's like you don't have to. And, I mean, I'm sure with some relationships it would be really hard to do that handover. But hopefully, if you've got a good relationship, you have to say, look, I've taken on too much. My bad, you know. I can do all of this, but just because I can doesn't mean I should you know, or I don't enjoy this task. Could you do it? And and also at the end of the day, some things you're just better at than your partner. And that's just your best to bear. You know, like I'm more of a clean freak than my partner. So I clean more than him. You know, he has other things that he likes. You know, that's just the dynamic of the relationship. But I do think a lot of people can be martyrs in their relationship and they're constantly expecting someone to pat them on the back and say, thank you. But no one's going to. So if that's how you're feeling, maybe look at your list and give some of that away because there's no prize. There's no prize at the end of this, you know? Your kid is very unlikely, maybe about 29 or 35 when they've had the first kid, they might go, you know what, thanks for all you did it for me as a mum. But you're not going to get that for a long time. Very <laughs> true.
0: I think my stepson now is 30 and he's so lovely. He sent me the most beautiful message for Mother's Day and I was like, I think he's finally realising how good we've been to them. He still calls me the wicked stepmother, but anyway. Oh, there you go. I
1: <laughs> so, think another funny. really important thing is to try and get your kids involved what you do if you do have a real job you know showing them what you do during the day don't make your job a mystery and a secret and something they can't be involved in because then they'll start to resent it and feel like it's almost like you've got another child that you care about more than them so my son from a very early age has been stuffing things in envelopes he's been in my office you know on his ipad while i've been doing work so that he feels involved recently he was editing all my videos he's a bit older now but you know Getting him involved, I've taken him to conferences as well, so he's seen me. I mean, now I'm just embarrassing, obviously. He's at that age where even if I move, I'm embarrassing. Hates my reels. But, yeah, he's involved, knows what I do, and therefore he appreciates it and I think has a bit of respect for it as well. Like, you know, he sees, you know, in his teen world, he sees me having X amount of followers on YouTube or whatever, and he kind of goes, oh, okay, cool. It's like a real thing. So getting him involved, and then on the flip of that, he talks about outsourcing to your partner, but I do think you should outsource or insource to your kids. So my son has a list of chores every morning. He has to feed the dog, empty the dishwasher, sweep the kitchen, get his lunch ready. You know, he's 12 now, pack his own school bag. You know, I'm his mum, but I'm not his keeper. He's more than capable at packing his own lunchbox, you know, and then I'll come in and fiddle with it a little bit. But that little bit of work that he does every morning saves me about half an hour. So over a week, that's two and a half hours over a month. that's.
0: A- it's wonderful. But bigger than that, though, I think, Kate, is is that, you know, the point I was saying earlier about independence. You know, I kind of learned that as well. My mum, she had two jobs, you know, my parents were working class and So she was a nurse and had to leave at like five in the morning. So, you know, as a young age, my brother and I, we had to get ourselves. And if we didn't make a sandwich for lunch, we went without. You know, (laughs) We had to make our own lunch. But it taught me a lot of good life skills from a young age, you know, and you learnt about that responsibility.
1: We're not helping our kids. By doing everything, but also not letting them be on their own. Like a child that can't self-soothe, self-entertain, will grow up into a, a very needy adult if you cannot be alone, if you cannot sit for 20 minutes and read a book. That's a skill. That is a life skill. And I think I see parents and, you know, they are trying to work and the kids coming in and coming in and coming in, it is a skill to sit down with that child and say, no, you know, for the next half hour you have to play in your room. I love you. We're going to do something at midday, but this is how it is. It's not cruel. You're turning that child into a good adult, I think. I mean, I probably this is incredibly harsh and you're going to get people rage keyboarding back saying she's a terrible mother. But, yeah.
0: No, I completely agree with you. And back to the topic then about parent guilt. So you've obviously worked a lot of this and you've given some great tips and things about how people can improve in this area. Are there any elements that you still have guilt about or things that you feel you still need to work on?
1: You know, there's a poem by Philip Larkin that says, you F your children up no matter what you do. And I think every parent looks back and goes, oh, I remember that time when I was answering Bob's question on Facebook and my kid spilt stuff on the sofa and I shouted at them we've all got a list of regrets as your kid gets older there's no way you don't go oh I probably should have spent more time with them even though you spent heaps of time with them so I think there's guilt there's always going to be guilt that you know you didn't do this you didn't do that you missed the sports day you didn't bake cupcakes on a particular day. But at the end of the day, I think you just have to say to yourself that it's valid for you to have your own career, your own life. You need that dopamine of achievement and that serotonin of working to be a good parent. It's Not all of us do. Some of us are happy to parent 100% of the time, but it was not like that for me. You know, I realised very early on that I needed another aspect to my life. I needed a third space between motherhood being a partner, I needed my time and that made me a better human.
0: Do you call work your time?
1: <laughs> work feels like my time to kind of be creative and be intellectually stimulated or whatever. And then of course you need self-care and downtime and gym and baths or whatever. But You know, you need that other aspect. You need to feel like you're moving forward. Parenting is very rewarding, but I don't think it ticks everybody's boxes, especially in modern times when we're having children at an older age, when we've built a career.
0: Set in our ways as well, right? It's harder to change.
1: As long as kids feel loved and that you give them your full attention when you can and you give them as much time as you can, there's only so much we can do. It's super challenging. And obviously the main thing is to not compare yourself to others. You don't know their circumstances. They could be fabulously wealthy. They could have inherited wealth or no mortgage or whatever, and therefore not need to work. We've all got different circumstances. And I love the realism that's beginning to come through on social media of the, the perfect craft table on the Instagram wall. And then in the stories, the sheer horror that happened behind the scenes of that. We need that, though. We need the reality because there's so much pressure on us as women to be all these things to everybody. And, you know, we need to take some of that pressure off, I
0: think. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I want to pick up on that point, I guess, on a wider spectrum for you and yourself and how you run your business, Kate, because when I saw you speak, it was so refreshing and exhilarating to see you speak. And you're so funny on stage, like the shit that comes out of your mouth just cracks me up. But then also, you know, watching you on your um, socials and stuff as well. It's the fact that you fully embrace this, you know, you you class yourself as a a self- you know, misfit in business and how it's really held you in good stead. And I just wanted to kind of end our conversation. I thought it'd be remiss of me not to ask you about that because my whole premise and the reason I started, you know, this is Wabi Sabi books and, and the podcast initially was around embracing a life that's right for you and to moving, you know, moving away from what people care about you or say about you or think about you. So I'm curious how you manage that. Have you always been that way in business, like right from the start? Did you go, stuff it like I'm just going to be me or did it take a bit of time to kind of fully embrace your misfit nature?
1: Yeah it took a bit of time I mean when I first came out of corporate world I was pregnant with my son I had no idea what I was doing I've never run a business I don't n- didn't know anything about like accounting or, or marketing I worked in advertising but for a big brand so no the first couple of years I kind of doggedly followed everyone what everyone else was doing you know if everyone else had a photo of them on their websites in a polar neck jumper with a keyboard I was going to do but I'm not a put together person I mean I can be but as I've got older I've got better at it but I'm a bit scruffy I'm not a very glamorous I'm not a girly girl I'm not glamorous I don't do outfits very well and all of that seemed very required and I just can't do it I try I really tried and so I just stopped doing it I know that my business could be hugely more successful and I could have thousands more followers. I, look, compared to my, I compare myself to some of the other female entrepreneurs who are a bit more straight, I guess I would say, a bit more normal. And they have more appeal because they're, they're not odd. I appeal to people who like my brand of oddness. And that obviously limits me in some ways, but it frees me in my day to day. I'm I'm in my 14th year of doing this. It gets increasingly harder to turn up every Monday and engender passion. We talked about this and be like, yeah, whoa, it's my 25th launch of the Recipe for SEO Success course. You know, 25 launches, but I'm still like, whoa. So if I had to do that and also pretend to be some straight-paired, white-toothed, pencil-skirt-wearing businesswoman... I would have a mental breakdown.
0: It's refreshing, though, Kate. It's interesting you say about, you know, social media, behind the scenes, you know, mess and whatever. People are loving that authenticity. And so whether it's just now that it's kind of coming into that and you're really, you know, in the forefront of finding the groove and people are loving that. But I just, I find you fabulous. So don't stop. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) It's wonderful. Kate, it's been awesome to chat to you today. Thank you so much for your honesty and your passion bringing it here. It's been wonderful and some great tips for people to consider and hopefully remove a bit of that parent guilt that many of us feel along the way.
1: I hope so. Thanks so much. Thank you.
0: Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you.